Hey, welcome to the CTO Advisor Podcast. I have with me a good friend from the industry, someone I've respected for years, Steve Kaplan. Steve has authored several books, uh, started two publicly, uh, two companies that went on to be publicly traded companies from Nutanix fame uh, and managing and starting Nutanix's channel. Uh, extremely accomplished Arthur with like nine books, Steve. The latest one being uh, uh, what, what what was the ROI? What, what was the title? <clears throat> the ROI story: A Guide for IT Leaders. And just one quick correction on the the uh, two startups. Uh, they were acquired by publicly traded companies. Ultimately, uh, you know what? That's the ultimate exit, right? The yeah. uh, you don't have to wait for the IPO. <laughs> We were a so, long, long, long way away from an IPO, but, um, but yeah, it's nice to exit that way. So Steve, uh, the reason why I had you having you on is because you've seen both sides of this equation that we talked about on Twitter, which is the entrepreneur turned full-time employee or the full-time employee turned entrepreneur and then the hiring manager who hires the entrepreneur. And I wanted to talk kind of about, I want to talk to you about that journey and your perspective and help for those of my audience thinking about uh, stepping out on their own and the risk associated with that. And then does that ruin them for life to come back as a full-time employee later? And then from the hiring manager's perspective, what are they getting when they hire a entrepreneur? I think I saw a stat the other day. A research firm did an experiment. They put out resumes uh, based on same level of experience, same fictitious person. One person ran a uh, startup. Another person uh was a full-time employee and the other person yet was a ran a startup that failed. Funny enough, the person who ran the startup that succeeded had the lowest hit rate for the resume. The person who had the highest hit rate with the FTE, but you know, it was a software engineer and they all got callbacks. It's just the rate of callback. So I wanted to kind of explore this a little bit. So, Steve, tell us a little bit about your journey, your first journey to entrepreneurship. How did, how, how did that transact? Well, first of all, Keith, thank you again for having me on the podcast so many years later uh, again. Yeah, you're, you're a returning guest. That's right. Many, many years ago. Like when you're just starting. Um, uh, and, and my personal journey, you know, uh, ever since I think I was 11 years old, I, I loved the idea of entrepreneurship and even when I was seven, I ran around the neighborhood selling tomatoes in a wagon. So, so I've always been enthralled with it, and uh, but never quite had the courage to do it. Uh, went, got my MBA, went to work, you know, as director of finance at a company, but it was right at the beginning of the PC craze, and uh, nobody knew how to use the Radio Shack handy computer sitting up in the warehouse. Uh, so I took it down, figured it out, and said, "This is amazing." And, Changed my career there and, and eventually started a computer reseller store. And then we got into networking and became a VMware, uh, what was it called back then, Platinum partner. And, uh, you know, we, we got, and then we got into Citrix and, and we were named the first Citrix partner of the year. And, you know, the offers started coming in and 
um, it, it's hard to uh, resist it when people offer you a lot of money. At least it's hard for me. <laughs> and money, then money, money. The 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 you know you're, you're an entrepreneur. Your eyes get big. You're like you know I, you know what I can do with that money. I can start another business. <laughs> yeah, well, or just you know the secure you know entrepreneurship is. I don't care how successful you are. It's always scary, right? At least it was for me because you just never know. You know you're responsible for this massive payroll and um and and, and the direction of the company and technology is always changing. And if you misstep, you know you could lose everything. So. You know, it's when you get that offer coming in, it's it's at least again, it was hard for me to pass up. And uh, after uh, after the dot com burst, especially. Uh, so, yeah, sold my first company and worked for the folks who bought that. And, and then the folks who bought that company. Uh, and then after about five years, you know, ran into VMware, a product called VMware. And uh, I, I told my company that who's a big national channel partner, you know, you guys should really look into VMware and selling this. And and they said, no, we're not interested. And I said, well, um, I'm going to leave then. <laughs> so my non-compete didn't cover VMware and uh, uh, started, uh, you know, a new consultancy around uh, VMware. And, and within three years, we were uh, named the rising star of the Americas and then partner of the kind of the VMware's version for partner of the year and, and sold that. Same thing, got another offer and hard to pass up. <laughs> sold that and worked for that company and, and the company that bought that company for about five years. So let's talk about that, you know, that experience of working for that company that started that. One of the things that me and Melissa cherish about the CTO advisor is the freedom. You know, I get to buy my little Airstream, we get to travel the U.S. and do our thing. But at the same time, there's this constant uncertainty. You know, I'm not making the kind of dough I could make if I worked for one of the cloud providers, et cetera. But it's a really nice balance. We, we do well enough. Uh, it is a good life. And one of the things that we've talked about is a potential exit of the business, you know, selling the CTO advisor and me having being the face of the CTO advisor needing to work as we grow the business after that. What was that time like after, you know, you had reins of the control? What was kind of the, the pros and cons of working for the folks that you sold your business to? Yeah, I, I think the pros, as, as you mentioned, were the no more really uncertainty. You know, you got the money sitting there in the bank. I mean, there's earnouts and so on, but for the most part, you know, you're financially secure. So that's uh, very comforting. Uh, the cons are right away losing the ability to make the, the decisions, the strategic direction, you know, calling the shot, be, being in the room where it happens, like they say, um, you know, th those are all the cons. And uh but, you know, I think the right organization, you know, it works well, though. So that, that's really interesting. And didn't think about, you know, the concept of not being in the room where it happens. You know, as, as an entrepreneur myself and, and, you know, kind of making every decision, there, there's this stress of having to have to make every decision. But I get to be in the room when I'm making every decision. What was that shock like when you weren't kind of, you know, there's a major decision and, you know, there's you know, these I don't think you ever lose the feeling that when you bring employees to the deal, that these are still your people. I mean, these are uh, 
These are your people. So when there's decisions being made about your people, what what was that like, you know, kind of dealing with not being in a room when decisions about your people are being made? You know, I, I guess in my case, I'm thinking back to my first company now, especially I, I kind of dissociated from that. You know, I didn't really feel mm. so much. I mean, I had to for to, you know, just kind of for self-preservation. I mean, kind of ironically, you know, we sold that company 23 years ago, just about this weekend. I'm having a reunion for a lot of the uh, early uh, team members, the man- management team and their spouses. So, you know, we're still friends and so on. But, you, you know, I-, I think you have to see the name change on the door of the business. Uh, you have You have to be emotionally resigned that, you know, these are the employees you brought, your friends, but, you know, you don't have that control anymore. You're working for someone else. And and my first business, I, I actually backed out of a few acquisition deals the first time as the, as it became more real to me. Oh, no, you know, this is, I can't I really give this up. So it's, a, you know, I, I tend to be an emotional person anyway. But when right. people ask me about selling a business, <clears throat> uh, I always advise them of that. Be prepared for the emotional ups and downs. And, uh, you know, it's your baby and you're giving up your baby. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, and, 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 and for those of you who are listening, who never started a business. It's really hard to describe how much time and emotional energy you pour into the business. You can, it can get to the point where you're actually quite irrational. Uh, you're making decisions <laughs> that you, you promise you'll never make. I'll never, ever borrow money to live off of while uh, doing a downturn and you find yourself, you know, loading the credit cards up because you believe in the thing so much. So uh, that's really great advice. So we're, we're, you know, we're talking about all this emotional baggage from the entrepreneur side, you know, this, this, we've made the decision to step out on faith and, and sell, you know, start a PC reseller, start a VMware uh, partner business, uh, grow a relationship with Citrix. Then there's the inverse. You've made the decision that you've sold your business and you're going to go work for someone. And the hiring manager or, the you know, that, that's kind of cut and dry. You, you, you're going to go work for the person who bought your business. That's clean transaction. What about the hiring manager that looks at the Steve Kaplan, the Keith Townsend, the uh, Tim Crawford, who uh, we both have a really interesting shared experience with? Uh, and you, you see that entrepreneur resume come across your desk is really tempting, but, oh, can this guy or gal be a temp, uh, a team player? What's going through the hiring manager mind or what should they consider? You know, I read an article many years ago about how former entrepreneurs make the best employees. And it's just mm-hmm. one data point. And, and I think that is a possibility, but it has to be not only the right type of hiring manager, but the right type of organization. You know, if, if you get a good entrepreneur, they're going to come in with lots of ideas and creativity and, and may not quite be the square peg fitting in the square hole. And, um, you know, I, I think that they can be phenomenal employees, but you have to have that open mindset. If, if you try and make them a, just a regular standard, you know, 
peg in the hole employee, you're not going to get the value that you could get, and and they're going to be unhappy, and uh, you know, the relationship at some point will sour. So let's put some meat on that. Let's say that I work for let let's pick on the ultimate conglomerate GE. I'm a hiring manager within GE, hundred plus year old company. We have processes, we have uh, bureaucracy, we have everything that we have, and I need to roll out a cloud native infrastructure, Kubernetes. Do I look at a person that's run a Kubernetes practice, their own consulting company, that the they have the skill set? But I'm questioning kind of the cultural fit. I'm the hiring manager. He's come across my, he or she has come across my desk. And I'm, what, what am I thinking if I work for a big conglomerate like that? Well, you know, GE is known for kind of making, if not entrepreneurs, though, at least, you know, Fortune 500 business leaders. But, but my gut would say probably not the best fit for a company like that looking to hire entrepreneurs. Because like you said, bureaucracy, processes, uh, those are all things that are natural and anthemia to uh, entrepreneurs. And I would think more a smaller to maybe a mid-sized company are going to be more appropriate for bringing in the entrepreneurial talent. And, and smaller to mid-sized companies, again, that are open to uh, creativity, to ideas that might diverge from uh, what's been standard there. And I think I tend to agree with that. I think the reality is I've worked in both extremely large companies. And obviously I work for a small, super small company now, but I've worked in between. And one of the advantages of an entrepreneur, people who have worked for, for startups, you've worked for several, is that they can do a lot of things like they can do and understand a lot of things. I can throw, you know, this ops long object or challenge at someone who's who started a business and say, you know, kind of figure this out. There's no there's no ropes or guidelines. There's no manual to this, but it's a problem and I need you to kind of go out and solve this problem. Yep. Versus large companies, you know, there's there's a group that does there's a group that does DNS. You know, there's a group that does collaboration and email. There's a group that does accounts receivable. You know, all of these things that an entrepreneur would do themselves, there's a group to do that. And putting an entrepreneur in that type of environment can be a challenge. So we're about wrap time, but I want to, you know, kind of one last question you know, kind of a back to the beginning question. This thing that I get all the time with people saying, Keith, I'm just not that brave to go out on my own. What advice can you give, give people who need to just jump off the diving board? Uh, you phased, faded out a little bit there, but I think I got the gist. Um, my advice maybe is, is more strict than a lot of people in the business, again, being more of an emotional type of guy, mine would be don't jump off unless you feel like you're going to die if you don't, <laughs> because it's, it's really hard. Uh, it takes tremendous effort and energy and, you know, your soul, at least again, you know, for, 
for me because if I'm going to do it, I'm going to grow it. Um, so don't make that dive unless you just have to do it. Uh, but if you have to do it, then then go for it. And, you know, God bless you. And America uh, loves entrepreneurs. The world loves entrepreneurs in most countries. And uh, you're doing wonderful things for society and for the people you hire. And, uh, you know, just go, go for it. But just only if you absolutely have to. <laughs> All right, Steve. I love that advice. We'll get uh, our self uh, um, uh, screen mask to encourage entrepreneurs to be chased up the diving board, so they have that feeling that they need. To, they absolutely have to do it. For those that want to follow your musings, where can they find you? On Twitter uh, at ROI Dude uh, and uh, LinkedIn, Steve Kaplan. All right. And if you want to find out more about the CTO Advisor, you can follow us on the web, thectoadvisor.com. Check out our latest series where we explore AWS service, a different AWS service every day, awseveryday.com. Talk to you next episode of The CTO Advisor. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Steve.